beautiful dream. Stopping the wheel. You're not the first person who's ever dreamt it. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. What's up, nerds? You are listening to A Plate with Nerd Thug Radio. Blasting all over the AM stations, taking over your airwaves. This is Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. That's me. What's up, man? How you been? I've been doing well. Enjoying the last of my break before school starts back up again. Oh, when's when when does school start? The eighteenth, so it's my last weekend, I think. Uh oh. Um yeah. now you're you're almost done, right? This is your this is your junior year? My my twentieth year of college, correct? Well, your twentieth year of school at this point, I suppose, huh? Seems like it. <laughs> Just about. It's, I mean, it, you do school, and then like at one point they're like, "You're done with school, and now go work forever," right? Like, <laughs> I will work forty years, and then I will die. It's so weird, like how we've got this whole thing just set up on a little treadmill. Hut 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 hut, and then we just like. Just treadmill and then we die. <laughs> That's a true, you know. We started on a good note there. We nailed it. Um, Enjoy the break, guys. Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah. So I do want to say uh, interesting stuff. Uh, forever and ever and ever, uh, the big corporations, Disney especially, had been paying Congress, essentially, to keep pushing back the copyright date on things. To protect uh, their expiring trademarks and ownership of ideas and characters and things. Mm-hmm. Well, about five or six years ago, they kind of just stopped. I'm not sure what the issue was. I don't know where the shift in attitude came from, but they basically just said, we're not going to do this anymore. Um, and I haven't really heard any of the corporations really in the last couple of years mention the expiration of copyrights, which is interesting because I believe either next year or the year after Mickey Mouse comes into public domain. Um, so I think essentially I, I really just feel like eventually they were like, you know, we're not, we can't fight this forever. Eventually it was going to happen anyway. Um, but the first of, you know, the major Disney characters has taken the plunge. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, the boy. Our, um, our friendly honey bear. That's right. And so it's good news all around because it turns out he's actually a Nerd Thug Radio listener. He's a big fan of the show. Oh, man. Great to hear. Yeah. So we are going to be uh, we're gonna be running a line of Pooh career shirts. Now that he's a free agent, he, he's free to try some other jobs, some other things. Yeah, you know, uh, he's, he's, been, he's been tied up in show business for so long, you know. It's good to stretch his legs. Well, listen, it's time you leave um, the, what is it, the Briar Patch or the, yeah. the Shire or whatever it was. The <laughs> Shire. Was he a hobbit? You never know. You never know. Hey, there Anyways, goes, there goes sure. Frodo going off on his journey and then out comes bumbling through his house trying to look for honey. There's a little, yeah. little poo bear. Pooh just shows up to move into his house when he leaves for the quest. That's all it is. Um, <laughs> Pooh found it on Airbnb. <laughs> Frodo rents his house out on a weekend. <laughs> He was going to be gone for a couple of years. I mean, it would have been a smart move on his part. Yeah. He comes back and he's like, oh, man, bank account looking pretty fresh. Yeah, man. Place is absolutely trash, though. Yeah. 
Gotta pay for the cleaners now. Well, who lived here? A bear? Oh, right. Right. A bear. Yeah, that was, that was accurate. A small yellow bear. Correct. <laughs> Addicted to honey. Everything's just gross and sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first shirt is him trying out his skills as a wrestler. Um, we've got that shirt. Uh, we've got a, a rough image of it. We're, we're finishing up the art. And then we're moving on to printing the shirt. It's going to ship February 1st. You can go ahead and go to uh, Corey D's, Corey DLG's secret store and order the uh, the shirt. Pre-order the shirt. It will ship February 1st. We will then have it up active and live on the store. Um, I'm, I'm excited to uh, see where Pooh goes next, but I, I hope you guys get on there and order it. Um, it's a good, It's a funny-looking shirt. Because he's throwing the suck it out there. I don't, I mean, listen, when Pooh gets his thinking on a job, he goes all out. I mean, he's, he's an immaculate actor, you know, truly gifted. He can take on many roles. The man's a performer. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so great. It really does. Our buddy, uh, Jesus Rodriguez, put it up there. Um, he's done some stuff for us before, including a, a backup story. In uh, DMA issue two, uh, featuring the debut of Lightburst, uh, based on um, a, a, a character. You know, I run these things in the Kickstarter where somebody can pay a hundred dollars and they can have a character based on them. Well, a buddy of mine, his son's uh, albino, and so he wanted him to have a superhero to look up to over the years and over the coming time. And so he uh, asked me to base a character on his on his young son. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I think, I don't know this for sure, but I, I don't recall ever seeing anywhere else an albino superhero. It's, it's a very, it's a very interesting minority because you don't, it's not, no one ever talks about it. Yeah. And definitely like, uh, it's always odd. You don't like, it's a very unexpected thing when you encounter it also, right? Like, you're like, uh, I remember being in an amusement park one time and somebody was, from a black family. I don't know how you would even say this. They were black, but they were albino. Yeah. And so, like, they had the features of a black person, but then they were they they were albino. So it yeah, did. No. They looked white. Like it was. There was no pigment, so they looked white. <laughs> right. So, like, as I'm getting in line, I was. I mean, they were like running the roller coaster, running the ride. So as you're getting in line, you walk by them, and they're talking, and it's just was sort of just this 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 moment where I was kind of like, like I guess. You never would think, like, okay, I guess this would affect every. You know what I mean, like. But it was mm-hmm. such a something mentally you're just not ready to see. I don't know. It was such an odd moment. Yeah, it's just something you were prepared for. You, yeah, you have seen a lot of people. You had not seen a person that looked like them <laughs> at all ever. My whole life, I was like, I was like, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, but yeah, it was definitely different. It was weird. It was a cool moment. I thought in my head, I never forgot it. It was years ago. Um. But yeah, and I don't think there's ever been an albino superhero. So maybe, I guess maybe Mr. Sinister counts. I think he's just painted white. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I like to imagine he only looks like that because he messes with his genetics. Well, I think he's some sort of like liquid metal, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about Mr. Sinister aside from the genetic thing and the fact that he like is obsessed with Scott Summers. Through a weird, like more than anything obsessed uh, obsessed with how he breeds like he the bloodline of the summers more than even scott summers 
if that makes it worse, which I think it does. Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. Although, like, if you're going to pick a family, like, yeah, I'd pick them. They're probably, they're pretty wacky. Yeah, they're pretty heavily involved. I, I, them or maybe, like, Magneto or Xavier. He's got a crazy blood. Like, Xavier's son is Legion, and then his adopted son is Proteus. Yeah. Magneto's kids are... Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Polaris, although sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. I don't be know. Any any of the Guthries, like there's like a million of them. Oh yeah, that's true. Like they're a whole family of mutants too. But Mystique, I guess like yeah. Mystique's son is Nightcrawler, her, her adopted daughter was Miss uh, was Rogue, like I don't know, man. Again, it's it's moments like this where you're like, man, like the mutant world is a lot smaller than like you imagine. <laughs> Or like that's really that's a majority. Like, that's a huge majority of known mutants already. Like off the bat, they're all related to each other in one way or another. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the Star Wars argument, right? Like that I always make. They're like, I'm tired of the Skywalker saga, and people are like, that's the Star Wars story. Like, I get it, but like they've made this whole world and they make it about these nine people. Yeah, but I think Star Wars is a little bit more egregious because Star Wars is supposed to be like a whole universe. Like, well. There's 7 billion people on the planet, and we talk about the same 30 every time we make an X-Men team. Well, there's only 30 of them with powers. What do you... <laughs> no one's going to be no, like, all right, here's, here's giant-sized X-Men starring Stan from accounting. Bob, <laughs> <laughs> your no, neighbor who now... retired 20 years ago. <laughs> you forget now. Krakow is an island full. Of... They got like thousands and thousands of mutants now on the island. Yeah, I know, but we're still only going to talk about the X-Men. because That's what I'm honestly... saying. That's my point is... They've got access to thousands of them. They're like, but remember these 12? They're the and ones with the on name on it. Launch, they're doing like, I mean, I don't even know. There's like, it looks like there's like 12 or 13 books that are launching out of it. Some of them are pretty stupid. Man, like, the X Men, like, had such a great start. They're not even a great start, just an interesting start just to have. And then, like, they've just pittered into Fumbled like the ball. It's because it's, it's one of those. Someone described it as like the the middle of the, like he like the creator. I forget, I forget his name. Who's who's the, who's the guy that was leading the X Men and then he left? Oh, Hickman. Hickman was like, yeah, he's he's gonna he like he had an idea for the beginning, obviously, and like probably an ending, but like he was like the middle could go on for as long as you want. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about how he wrote he he had three concepts, like three chapters. And like the ending was the third chapter, obviously. And but either any of the chapters you could kind of pause in and take as long as you want in. And when he was ready to move on to chapter two, everyone else wasn't. So he yeah. took his tons of money from the newsletter people and left. Yeah, he was like they were like, No, we don't want to leave and he's like, Okay, I will then bye. <laughs> yeah. Are we not gonna are we not gonna yeah, I'm gonna do the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. Uh <laughs> Are we moving on? No. Well, nope. I am. See you okay, later. Well, yeah, I, I got to go. Um, but yeah. And now I mean, they're just now they're just in limbo with sixty five million X Men books and none of them make any sense. Well, and like <sighs> just dartboards. Just dartboards. It feels that way. The only one that really feels like it has a real path is um is Excalibur. I was gonna say Excalibur. Uh because they really took a really unique theme, the idea of like Dungeons and Dragons in X Men and other world and like they just really ran with it and they went deep into it and the story is getting 
better and better and better. This last little part felt rushed, I think, because they're transitioning. It's going to go from Excalibur. It's going to be start being called Knights of X. Um, oh, yeah, they're in Otherworld. So imagine if you put the consequences back on, your story starts making a whole lot more sense. Right, and that's part of it, too. Like, if you die in Otherworld, you don't, you don't qualify for the resurrection protocols because you're broken. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, unique stuff to it. But, um... AE consequences. Sword started out pretty good, and then it kind of floundered a little bit. Um, there's a big twist at the end to lead into their X-Men Red, which is about Mars. And I don't really, I don't know, I didn't enjoy the twist. Space I thought the twist mutants. Da, na, 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 na. Can't wait. I thought the twist was empty. Um, I mean, yeah. This whole run you, of X-Men has been kind of weird. Well, if you if you really think about it, the X-Men, just X-Men, the flagship title, where they picked a team of X-Men to go live in New York and fight bad guys. Like, the book has been about, because they took over Mars, some space alien casino guy has been taking bets on destroying the X-Men. And so everyone is just taking turns sending their best villains to fight the X-Men. It's kind of meandering. It's sort of pointless so far. But bigger than that, like, they're only like on a... issue seven or eight as they get into this relaunch like <laughs> we're really we're really, sh- we're really showing them the confidence in the brand by uh resetting every 36 minutes i know so like it's really kind of an interesting sounds like sounds like sounds like like not always i don't want to say like bootleg mojo verse but kind of <laughs> sort of yeah it kind of feels that way because it's just like oh i'm gonna get the i want to say the spider-man but it's the x-men but like oh we're gonna get them we're gonna get them this time check this out yeah and then they just villain of villain of the week yeah very uh you know when Smallville and Supernatural and all those shows kind of had like their when they hit their their rough patches where they were just doing villains of the week for like three years which I mean like villain of the week is only interesting is if you have like a background where you're working towards right right. And that was sort of the problem is those guys were kind of they were stuck in the middle of a show where they weren't sure. Yeah, they weren't sure how long we were going to go. So it's like, well, I'm just going to keep running this until I know where we're going to stop. It's like, are we going to have three? Are we going to have one more season? And then they were having such an interesting time like debuting like, oh, here's the Smallville version of this character and the Smallville version of this character. And so it was just easier and more fun that way than actually taking a story and going somewhere with it right instead of writing the story they're having fun just creating which i mean like there's some there's some like definitely benefits of that like i know that that's a really big issue with uh the anime series bleach which is finally coming back after like a decade of being canceled it just revived all of a sudden people studio was studio was like we're bringing it back <laughs> people have caught on that anime is trendy and so now they're basically looking for any property with nostalgia tied to it. They're just jumping on it. Well, I mean, uh, speaking of jumping, we're going to jump out to a break. And when we come back, we got more Nerd Thug Radio coming your way. What's up, Night Owls? Corey DLG here. Wanted to make sure you guys know about the weekly schedule of The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more. Right up there at 525 Woodland Square, Suite 130 in Conroe. Every Monday, they're painting miniatures. And on Tuesday, they're rotating between Digimon or Dragon Ball. 
On Wednesday, they have Yu-Gi-Oh! On Friday, they do casual Star Wars play of almost every type of game, including Legion and X-Wing Fighter, and of course, Magic the Gathering and Warhammer on Saturdays. Make sure to go to The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more, where all the nerds hang out. Hey, Night Owls. If you're looking for something to do this week or this weekend, make sure to check out False Idol Brewery, 7924 Maplewood Avenue in North Richland Hills. They got 20 beers on tap, three to six beers available in various packages to go, including wine, ciders, and kombucha. They're open seven days a week, opening every day at 11 a.m. and closing at 11 o'clock on Friday and Saturdays, and then open 12 to 9 on Sunday. Go hang out right there at False Idol Brewery, 7924 Maplewood Avenue, North Richland Hills. Attention real estate investors. Have you sold properties using seller financing? Call Sal. Do you collect monthly payments from a mortgage note but want a lump sum cash offer? Call Sal. Do you have a rent to own property but want to cash out? Call Sal. We pay cash today for your cash flow assets. If you would like a lump sum offer on your asset, please call Sal. We can present a same day offer so you can get cash in your hands as quickly as possible. Call Sal at M5X Mortgage Note Solutions now. 619-922-0176. 619-922-0176. AM stations just just doing it. Like just all over the AM stations. We're just hanging out. Yeah, That's we're what just we're here. Just hanging out. Um a little bit of controversy in the world of comic books. Um oh, no. I've got a unique position on this. Okay. Um, Robert Kirkman is being sued. He is the creator of The Walking Dead and Invincible. Okay. And he is being sued by Crabtree, who was the colorist on the first 50 issues of Invincible. Okay. Uh, according to Crabtree, the deal that they had was for uh, 20% of the profit from sales of comic books and then 10% of any money made off of licensing television movie anything else that's a pretty sick deal it's a good deal and he was the colorist for 50 straight issues um he said for a long time he was getting paid as things were happening uh they met up at a con a few years back and robert kirkman had him sign a certificate of authorship that basically on paper is affirming that Robert Kirkman owns Invincible. Uh, he says that at the time they could, they made a verbal agreement to continue things, but on paper it was easier for the television companies if there was only one party to deal with. Therefore, um, Kirkman was going to just be the one party and get like be the spearhead for this stuff. Yeah, so they're not like, well, we got to pay 10% to this guy and, you know, 80% to this guy and 10% to this guy. Kirkman's just tying up his loose ends, basically. Well, and, and so that's what alleged, that's what Crabtree and his lawyer alleged happened. Kirkman alleges that those payments he made in the beginning as things were happening, and Crabtree acknowledges that when there was a deal with Paramount for an, for an Invincible cartoon, for like three years, uh, every time Paramount would make their payment to the team, he got his part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirkman says that that was a bonus that he was paying that he, out of his own just choice, and that wasn't actually part of some sort of arranged agreement. Um, and Crabtree says that that was part of their agreement, and that's why he was paid those times. Now, fast forward to now, Amazon, the deals happen, blah, 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 and... Uh, you know, 
the show's a success, but Kirkman's the only one getting paid. No one else is. Uh, Kirkman has been sued by Tony Adler, who was the creator on The Walking Dead. But he only drew, like, the first... I don't remember the number, so I'm not going to say, but only the first, like, less than year's worth of issues. He then... Um, you know what? I got my computer in front of me. Let me let me double check that. I just realized I got Walking Dead mixed up with Invincible. The Invincible artists changed after like the first four or five issues. Um, but so Walking Dead's artist Tony Adler did sue Robert Kirkman. They settled out of court, and. This will be so. This is the second time a creator has alleged this kind of thing. Hmm. So, I mean, you could take this as one of two ways. You could definitely take it as Kirkman being a wacko, not paying people. It's he Charlie had a bunch Adler. Of... I don't want to make Tony Moore and Charlie Adler the two artists for one. I, you're getting mixed up. I combined their names. Yep. Into one super artist. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, yeah, okay, here it is. All right. So Tony Moore is the one who sued uh, Robert Kirkman. And he only drew the first six issues of Walking Dead. Charlie, Ad- uh, Charlie Adler came on and drew the rest. Tony Moore, who helps create the comic book, uh, said that basically, you know, I'm entitled to percentages, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, my issue, so here's my thing. I think people should always take care of each other. I don't think that that's ever up for debate. I, I think you should always treat your partners with respect and all of that. Crabtree didn't color the whole series, and Tony Moore didn't continue on with Walking Dead. So Moore admits he signed his rights over to Tony uh, to Robert Kirkman because he didn't think it was going to go anywhere, and he still sued him later because the show became a hit and he wanted his cut of it. But here's the thing: these guys didn't stay on all the way through. Yeah, it's not like oh man, the colorist of all of Invincible is like he's not yeah. getting paid. And I, and I, I feel again, I want to, I want to start. From, you should always take care of your people. You should always honor your word. You should always honor your agreements. I'm never going to sit here and say, oh, you should break your word. But I do understand where Robert Kirkman's point of view, if this is all true, and even in, even in this case where he gets Tony Moore to sign over, Tony Moore only, wrote, only drew six issues of Walking Dead. If Tony yeah. Moore wants to walk in later after it goes 150 plus issues and say, well, I helped come up with the idea of it and then I left. Well, yeah, but what just drawing yeah. the first six issues didn't turn it into the overnight success that it became. Like, there's a lot more yeah. to it. You know, you, you're not the only reason why it became what it became. And more importantly, you weren't there for the rest of it. Yeah, you weren't there for a vast majority of it. So I, I, I sort of. Because how many issues are there of Invincible? I don't know, like. Oh, 200 plus. Exactly. Or 100, I mean, at, at, least oh, at least another 150. Easily, let's let's see what the exact count is. But yeah, again, Crabtree didn't do all of them. Yeah, I mean, fifty is a lot more than six, but I mean, you know, it's still a pretty forty-four issues of Invincible. Yeah, so about thirty-three percent. So I yeah, mean, he like... did a third of it. So for his third, is he still entitled to ten percent of the of the? 
Now, yes, maybe that's the deal you made in the beginning. But just like when you – so here's what happens when you, like, make a – when you start a business and then you bring in investors. So, like, let's say you and me sit down and we're going to start um, – we're going to start laptop.com, okay? We're going to make a website about laptops or something, all right? Um, and we go 50-50 on it. Well, then Mark Cuban hears about it and says, hey, this is a great idea. I want to give you guys a million dollars and I want 20% of the company. Well, you, you and I will each give up 10%. So he'll have 20 and you and I will go 50-50 on the remaining 80%. What yeah. that means is our share shrink. We went from 50 to 40. You, these deals evolve over time. Now, as long as you honor the same principles, I think is, is fair. Um, like, look, Crabtree, you were the colorist for a third of the run as a whole i'm giving all of the colorists 10 percent, so you can have three and a third percent yeah and you know i'm pretty sure that he was you know because invincible ended what a couple of years ago yes so like now that you know now that we're done now that you know we're, we're moving away and you know Invincible isn't a one-to-one adaptation of the comic book. Just like no. The Walking Dead wasn't a one-to-one adaptation of the comic book. Right. It's a completely original concept. And so it, it might be based on, and it might have, you know... But are written. you entitled to? Right. It's the same argument that we made with, uh, like, the original comic book creators and, um, like, the Marvel movies. Exactly. It's like how many people are in the credits of the Marvel movies that have absolutely nothing to do with the comic books that they're based on. Right, exactly. Because so many people contributed the story and the creation of it. And just writing a really compelling six-issue storyline about the Winter Soldier and Scarlet and Black Widow doesn't mean that if they make a movie with the two of them in it, even if they borrow your villain or the like the skeleton of your plot, they still have to change a ton of stuff to make it a movie. Um, right. It's the same thing for animation, you know, the voice actors, the animation department, their colorists, like, right, right. <laughs> Someone else recolored this, like. <laughs> so, so here's my proposal. Here's what I would do. This is how I would handle it. This is how I think creative projects should probably be handled from here on out. Each one should be its own individual LLC company with the people involved. Now, now, listen, if you're doing straight work for hire, like all my projects so far have been work for hire. Where I paid the artist for the projects. I paid the colorist. I paid the, the letter. So I own everything. If you're doing the other way where you're creating with a creator, you're, you guys are partners in, in the project, then that needs to be its own little entity, its own legal corporation. And then that legal corporation as a whole, you can just hire a lawyer to negotiate with the TV people get you the best deal possible, and then the TV people write a check to the LLC, and then the LLC can pay out each person their proper proportions. And then you're not stuck with this issue. Right, yeah. And when you're creating something, you know, like when when did Invincible start? Because if it's first 50 issues, that was what, 2000? Oh, gosh. Uh, 2001, so I was still in high school. 2001. So we're talking 20. <laughs> right. And he wants, he did the first, so he's done probably by 2008. So 12 years ago was his last issue published. And now he's like, hey, my work from 12 years is worth money now. Therefore, I'm suing. 
And the best part about it is that, that he signed something to like, he signed it over anyways. Right. He signed the rights over and now he's suing, claiming that what was said verbally was different than what's on the paper. Which anybody who knows anything about law, like, best of luck, bro. So you signed this document that you no longer own this. Yeah, but he said I would still. Yeah, he said verbally that we would still like honor our agreements. Okay, but you knew you were signing your your stuff away. Right. Yeah. And like the worst part is that like that burns all like goodwill that you have when you do that. Which way? Like when you're like, oh, you know, like if I like say like I strike it big, right? Right. And we had an agreement that, you know, we'd go 50-50 on everything. But, like, only I get picked up, let's say. But my name's on everything. You sign the thing and says my name's on everything. Like, I could still give you the 50 if I was nice. But if you come after me and sue me, I'm not going to give you anything now. Yeah, correct. Yeah, once you sue, you can never walk it back and be like, well, let's let's talk about my 10% forever. Like, no. Sorry, you sued me. So, like, this is where we're at now. Like, you might as well, it's like, well, I want my 10. It's like, well, now you get zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that 10 again. And, and it's like, you know what? Let's talk about the 10. I've been thinking about bringing it down to nothing. <laughs> and you're right. Like, that is 100% where some people are kind of going to be. Yeah, absolutely. They're not going to be able to fix this. But I also think they know that. Oh, And the lawyer, like, his comments were super inflammatory. They're like, it turns out Robert Kirkman's real skill is... Is is lying and stealing from his co-creators. It's like, no, it's just that his work has taken a long time to hit the mainstream. <laughs> it really, well, it really has. Even The Walking Dead, like, it was way after the first, man, you know what? Like, you're right. Like, it is interesting how long it took, especially, but I didn't realize like, that there was a deal with Paramount at first for three years that just kind of sat there. Well, I mean, like, it happens all the time. You hear about all it these things happen. that where they're like, oh, you know, it hits someone's desk and they're like, oh, this is super sweet. I want to make this. And then it falls through or something happens or no one sees it or things are, you know, it's not a good time right now or budgets are tight. Like, I'm sure it was a saving grace to have Amazon, like, pick it up because, you know, they're such a titan right now. Well, and they're kind of just giving money away too, right? Like, Well, it's because they want to, they like, prove their content, right? And I mean, like, well, if I'm... you got to think about, like, it's weird for them because TV is an ancillary thing for them. Right, no, like it's yeah. the last thing they're worried because they got the plus, they've got the shipping, they've got every like they're a store. Like, think if Walmart started making television. I mean, like it's coming up. You ain't worried for the Walmart sponsorship. Walmart, please sponsor us. Yeah, bro. Hey, Walmart, you make the call. We'll do. We'll do everything. Walmart, like we will wear just the blue vest. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think I nailed it or heard it? Mm, tough to say. Tough to say. You're right. Um, HBO Max, I'm, I've got it, you know, I have that signed up. Just I'm just looking at this as we're about to go to break. Um, they have all the animated DC stuff on here at this point, basically. Like, they have, I didn't even know this movie ever came out. Justice Society World War II rest, came out. Rest, rest in peace, the DC app, the most ill-conceived streaming service in it the really universe. really was. It was doomed from the start. But this came out last year. It says 2021. I never even heard of it. And on the cover, it's got... Uh, like the modern Flash hanging out with the like the Justice Society. I guess they're gonna fight Nazis. I'm gonna watch it after we're done recording. But like I'm never even. I don't. I don't even. I didn't even hear this movie. It's just the Flash time traveling again. You know that's always worked out well for him. <laughs> it probably is. 
ran back to World War II because he was bored. Do you think it's what he does in his like free time? Wouldn't you? You uh-huh. know, man, I can't even tell you what I would because I would time travel to like every Sports Illustrated cover swimsuit photo shoot. That's what I would do. Man, their cameras are in red blur every single time. I take pictures. <laughs> it's really strange. One solid frame of me just giving the thumbs up in the background. Yeah, I'm like, you know, like, man, I was. On, I'm pretty sure I was on like stutter. This is weird. <laughs> Who's doing the time delay here? Very <laughs> <That is> strange. <laughs> Anyways, all right, we're gonna jump out to a break. When we come back. We got a lot more Nerd Thug Radio coming your way. Corey DLG here of Nerd Thug Radio. Wanted to let you guys know about Dragon's Lair, Houston North, right there at two one one five one State Highway two forty nine. Houston, Texas, 77070. The Dragon's Lair has got a full range of comics and games, as well as comics, graphic novels, manga, and one of Houston's largest selections of board, card, and miniature gaming. That's Dragon's Lair right there at 249 in Luetta Road. Come hang out. Let them know Nerd Thug Radio sent you. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio. Blasting all over the AM frequencies, taking over Texas, and its friendly cousin, Oklahoma City. Um, Just doing... The darn thing. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. I didn't curse because we're on the radio. I mean, you can. It's just my job to fix it. That's true. But no one would know if I did it the other way. Like, if I curse, you'd fix it and no one would hear it. That's true. So by saying darn, they know what I meant. Uh, that's like a really backwards way of putting it. But yeah, I guess that would be true. Yeah. If this you is Corey DLG it... <laughs> and with me as usual, little brother Nico. You are listening Mind... to... Mind blown as usual. What? Mind blown as usual. That's what I do here. That's what I do. I blow minds and stun people. Um, speaking of the stunner, Kevin Owens has been throwing it like that's his one of his finishers now. Like I guess Steve Austin like gave it to him in wrestling. The stunner. Um, and they just did this whole round of title matches and stuff, and the poor guy never got to do it to anybody. Like he. Like, he was in a five-way fight, so there's five people in this wrestling match. He kicked, like, eight people trying to set it up, and every time he would, like, turn around to do it, they would shove him away. Oh, that's lame. You can't give someone a move and then let them use it. Like, <laughs> see, I mean, he's done it dozens of times at this point, but it was just funny to me that, like, since it was an event called Day One-ish, so now we're, what, 10 days? So there's been the event and then two Rawls, and in that event and in two Rawls, I haven't seen him do it once. Come on, guys! Don't you know that when you when you pick it up a new fighting move, you gotta you gotta check the menus first, see how you do it. You gotta practice it, man. You gotta practice it. You tell the tell the guy you're playing against. Hang on, hang on. I gotta do this new thing. It's gonna be a fireball. Wait for it. Hold <laughs> on. How do I do a quarter circle? <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> oh, I should have told you to block. Should have told you to block. My bad. My bad. My fault. My fault. Anyway, I figured it out. Let's go. Yeah, no. Like he keeps going to throw it, and then just like they shut they, they like. They counter out of it. <laughs> and I started to realize it. Uh, I watched him on Hulu the next day, right? So I started to realize it watching. I was like, this guy's never going to get to throw this thing, man. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like this whole like grandiose thing. And it's like, yeah, he's got it in his arsenal now. And it's like, no, he just hasn't used it ever. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah. So when he came back like late last year, he took you know time off as wrestlers do. When he came back, he was throwing it all of a sudden. And they talked about how like, like I guess one of his favorite wrestlers is, is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Stone Cold Steve Austin likes him a lot. And he'd gone on the podcast, and I guess after they talked, Stone Cold was like, "Yeah, man, throw it. Like it's cool." 
Um, well, imagine, but... imagine like that's how the deal was made. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's very nonchalant. I mean, everyone. So it's weird because like people really care about their finishers, but then once they like deem you worthy of using their finisher, they're very like, yeah. So you know, he called me up and asked if he could do it, and I said, yeah, man, go to town. Don't worry about it. But then, like, if you do it without asking, they're like, "Hey, man, who told you you could do that?" It's kind of my thing. Yeah, because it's like a per- it's like an identifier. It is. Well, I think uh, I think DDP said one time Triple H threw a neck breaker, which is what the DDP Diamond Cutter is. Mm-hmm. And he he like he reached out to him and he was like, "Hey, man, you do like a lot of other moves. Like, you don't need that one." Triple <laughs> 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 was like, "All right, uh, cool." <laughs> hey, hey, my bad. Didn't mean to step on any toes. I'll take it out of my moveset. All right. Appreciate right. it. And then years later, I guess Randy Orton was trying to find a finisher. And I guess at that point, DDP was on the rest on the WWE. Like they were on the same company at this point. And he was like, Yeah, man, you should totally do it. And he's like, Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, man, absolutely. And so, but yeah, like it's very nonchalant when they hand it to the person. But then when they're watching TV and they see it, they're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. That guy just take my move. Hey, that was my thing. That was my thing. Um, but, you know, uh, more interesting, Ronda Rousey, when she came out, when she came back, when she came out in the WWE as a wrestler, um, they had her all themed up with Rowdy Roddy Piper stuff. Mm. But I, I got the chance to interview Piper's daughter because she was going to do the kind of like glow ladies of wrestling type stuff. They were trying to bring back like the Glamour Wrestle League. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make... Uh, this was 19, 2020, uh, 2019. This was 2019 when I interviewed her, right as Ronda Rossi was popping. And I remember talking to Piper's daughter. Oh, man, I don't remember her name now. And she wrestled under a slightly different name, too. But we, we got to talking, and then she had a hard out. But we were only, her hard out was like, when you do these celebrity interviews, they give, like, the agent will give you a hard out before they put them on the phone. They're like, she only has 18 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we only do 12 minute segments, so it's cool. So, like, I talked to her for like a minute and prep. Then we did the 12 minutes. So, we're sitting on the phone for like four or five minutes. And I didn't, I didn't want to not talk to her because I didn't want to be like, well, I've got four minutes. I didn't want to waste them. Mm-hmm. So, I just started talking to her off. I was like, okay, we're done recording. So, we're running, but I'm not using any of this. She's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. So, let's talk to her for a minute and, you know, wish her luck and talk to her about wrestling and all that. And then I asked off air, like, if they've talked to her at all about, did they ask the family for any kind of permission to do all this like Ronda Rowdy Piper type stuff? And she was like, no, because WWE owns all that. So they just kind of gave it to her. I was kind of like, oh man, that's a little rough. She's like, yeah, especially because I was looking at trying to get in and I'm wrestling now. So it would have been nice to maybe come up in NXT as like Piper's daughter. I was like, oh yeah, that would have been interesting. And she was like, yeah. And then we were talking for another minute, and then like, the agent came back on the phone. And was like, "Hard out time, you got to go." She's like, "Hey, I got a hard out. I really have to go." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry." <laughs> like, man, there's nothing more like awful than like the WWE's like just absolute like just menace to actual wrestlers. Like, the, like their business style is brutal, and they release a bunch more people. Uh, and then they had a Tony Storm, to a female wrestler. She was rest- she wrestled Charlotte Flair for the title at day at the pay per view before day one ish. Maybe it was at day one. I don't even remember now. 
after she loses the title, no, no, it was a Friday SmackDown episode. She wrestled for the title on a Friday SmackDown. After she lost in that match, obviously, you know, WWE told her she was losing. She packed herself up and went home and just texted. And then it was like, yeah, I'm not making my next date. I'm done. Don't book me. <laughs> so WWE announced that they were releasing her, making it sound like it was a mutual thing. But she had already been like, ah, I'm heading home. Don't even bother. Wait, wasn't she the one that like programs after just getting the belt? No, that was that was Charlotte and and, uh, and Becky Lynch. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, that was stupid too. Um, so Charlotte was on Monday Raw and Becky Lynch was on SmackDown. Be- Bianca Belair was the SmackDown champion. Sh- Becky comes up, beats her for the belt. Um, like a month, they run a they run a program for that. Becky barely beats. Bianca to retain the title. They then do the mix-up, the draft stuff, where they switch shows. They put Bianca Belair on Raw. She wins, um, and they put Becky Lynch on on Raw also, and Charlotte Flair on SmackDown. And then Bianca Belair wins number one contender for the Raw Championship that Charlotte Flair has on the other show nice, on SmackDown. Genius. So it looks like they're going to have. Bianca Belair fight Charlotte Flair for the for the Raw title. Well, instead, WWE has the girls swap the belts. So now Becky's the Raw Women's Champion and Charlotte's the SmackDown Women's Champion. The worst way to handle that. Right. So then when they come home, when they come back to their perspective shows, Bianca Belair's like, oh, by the way, I'm the number one contender for the Raw belt, and you have it now. So then they wrestled a third time. It was like, come on. <laughs> I feel like the, I feel like the I feel like the mix up is just rolling dice and then switching people. It's like musical chairs, but dumber. <laughs> yeah, because it's like because it's wrestling, like it's all scripted, so like yeah. it's not like a real draft, right? Yeah, they know what they're doing, and then they do something where they're like, "What about this?" And they're like, "Uh, that's forget it. Don't worry about it. We're fine." Like, didn't they both just win their belts for the other program? And it's like, uh, they'll just switch it, I guess. And it's like. Well, doesn't yeah. that make this a third title match in a row with the same two people? And they were just like, Meh, that's fine. <laughs> Meh, don't worry about it. That's cool. Like, it was very smart. <laughs> you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that WWE is so intelligent and keeping also, their rosters so, so keen. Also, they just did this, and this was super insulting. At day one, Brock Lesnar was supposed to fight Roman Reigns. The day of the event, Roman Reigns tested positive for COVID, so they pulled him from the event. Yep. The other match is Big E is defending his Raw title against three other people in a fatal four-way. Kevin Owens is one of them, Seth Rollins, and uh, Bobby Lashley. Well, Brock Lesnar is still there to fight, so they just go ahead and put him in that other match and make it a fatal five-way. And he winds up winning that belt instead. So it's like they knew they were going to give him a belt when Roman Reigns wasn't there. They just gave the belt. They gave the other belt to him. So now he's on Raw, and poor Big E is like, I guess I don't get to like. He lost his belt in a non one-on-one match, and then on top of that, like he's not even in the running for a rematch. They made him do a fatal four-way to do the number one contender again, and Bobby Lashley won that. Well, he just he, he just got just thrown out a window. Yeah, he walks in with the belt, loses, walks out like third in line. 
It's like, imagine making it to the finals only to lose and get fifth place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, you're not even second. And the more messed up part is Seth Rollins is getting a title match at the next event against Roman Reigns. So, so Big E is still just left out. Like, the other guy who also lost is getting a different title match. He's like, what? He's in like, he's in like 45th place. Like, there's yeah. no winning. He's, he's like me when it comes to my the hierarchy of my mom and her dogs. Like, how am I below them? What just happened? It's like, it's, it just didn't roll well. We actually drafted them ahead of you because they're, they're – they take up less space, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right. All right, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we got the wrap-up of this week's Nerd Thug Radio. Hey, guys. Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio letting you guys know about Dragon's Lair's gaming schedule – Every Monday, they've got Magic the Gathering Commander going on. And on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they have Dungeons and Dragons. That's what I get down on. Uh, Warhammer on Fridays, as well as Friday Night Magic. Every Friday, as well as monthly tournaments. Dragon's Lairs, where nerds go to get their game on. Right there, Luetta and 249. 211-51 State Highway, 249, Houston, Texas, 77070. Hey, Night Owls. Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. Wanting to remind you guys about False Idol Brewery. Right there at 7924 Maplewood Avenue in North Richland Hills. Dallas is a brewery that focuses on creativity, consistency, and quality. They've got events going on all week. They've got Fill the Fridge Mondays with 15% off to go and $4 off of flights until 3 p.m. Thursday night trivia and Friday night special beer releases. Make sure to get out to False Idol Brewery in North Richland Hills today. All right. Welcome back to All Play with Nerd Thug Radio. We're here at the wrap-up, the tail end of the show. We, of course, want to make sure to remind you to go to The Adventure Begins and check out their Roku channel if you've got one of those. They're doing unboxings and all kinds of great things, uh, opening different little things. Every week they're adding new content to their Roku channel. Make sure to check it out. Support them because they're awesome. Uh, Make sure to support our local sponsors as you hear them on the radio as well. And make sure to go to squarespace.com or just check the link on the Facebook page. That's probably what's easier. There's a lot of words in it. But make sure you get that uh, new Pooh Bear shirt. Yeah. Pooh Bear. He's awesome. All right, on behalf of Corey DLG and my little brother Nico, same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Take care of each other. We're out of here.